0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to seven, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and my latest release, The Four-Hour School Day, published by Zondervan in June of 2021, super excited about that one. It is, um, the subtitle is How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, because that's what we want to do. We want to thrive as we're homeschooling our kids. Well, I'm excited to be here today. Um, I've got a very special guest, but I want to ask you a couple of questions first. Um, Moms who are listening, have you considered uh, homeschooling your children? Maybe you're not doing it right now because you're overwhelmed um, thinking of how to teach them. Or maybe you're a seasoned homeschooler, but you just can't figure out how to get through to one of your children, or maybe more than one. Perhaps your child loves to build things, but cannot sit still. How can you teach based on noticeable, unique strengths? Well, today I have a very special guest who is here to help give us tools that can help us answer these questions. I met uh, Dr. Kathy at a homeschool conference. I love her spirit and particularly the way that she respects children and their natural ability to learn. Her encouragement to parents is so unique and affirming, but I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on her before I get started in case you haven't heard of her. Now, if you've been at a conference... Ch- chances are you have heard of Dr. Kathy, but I'm going to give you a quick little background on her in case you haven't. She is the founder of Celebrate Kids, Inc. based in Fort Worth, Texas. She has influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children in 30 countries through keynote messages, seminars, chapels, banquet talks, and other events. She's a regular speaker for CareNet, Summit Ministries, and Colson Center and teach them diligently. She is also a popular guest on Focus on the Family Radio. She was featured in Kirk Cameron's movie, Connect, and she's published five books with Moody Publishers. Dr. Kathy, welcome. I am so grateful that you're here today with us.
1: I am so happy to be here, friend. Oh my goodness, I loved your intro. Those were such great questions to ask your (laughs)
0: listeners. (laughs) Well, you know, we know you've written five books, but the one we're going to be talking about today is actually two, but they go together. Um, It's Eight Great Smarts. Now, you wrote the original book, Eight Great Smarts, um, that you share about a lot at conferences because there's just so much great information and great tools in there. But um, you, another book was written by Tina Hollenbeck, who took, she's a homeschooling mom, and she took those eight great smarts kind of a step further and sort of uh, almost customized them really at, at, in writing a book that we're going to be talking about today, Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers. And when you, when I heard about the title to this book, I was so excited because sometimes as homeschoolers, we often... We'll read books, but to have a book that specifically kind of brings it down to the uh, to homeschooling, because a lot of books out there that are giving us tools um, to help our kids with their education aren't necessarily geared specifically toward homeschoolers
1: right. They might be geared toward a professional educator who has lots of background information and can take the ideas and you know, fly with them. Where we know that many moms and dads who are home educating their kids are totally qualified to do so, but may not have an educational background. And so they may struggle, you know, with some of the concepts. I think that, you know, my book is accessible, the eighth grade smarts book. And, and you're right though, that Tina has done a great job. She's one of our, one of our people. So invited her to take the concepts and make it applicable specifically to our homeschooler, homeschoolers. And I'm so delighted that she was able to do that.
0: Yeah, I am too. And I think you mentioned earlier before we started recording that um, these two books really go together because um, it sounds like the eight great smarts sort of lays the foundation, like has more of the, the meat in, in terms of what eight great smarts really are. And then for homeschoolers, it helps the application. Am, am I right about that?
1: That's true. So there are several places where Tina writes, you know, if you have not read Kathy's original book, please do so. And that's because in my book, I explain, you know, the origin of the eight. Um, I talk much more about what it means to be word smart or picture smart or nature smart. And then I also talk in my book about friendship and spiritual development and character building uh, and not just the academic pursuit. And so it's a more general book that will help people of any age discover how God created them to be smart, where Tina built upon that. So therefore, her book is specifically about how homeschoolers can help their children be academically successful by teaching to the smarts and reviewing to different smarts and developing really an appreciation for all AIDS so that all of our children know that they're smart and God did a good thing when he made them the way that he
0: made them. Mm. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about you. I, I read a quote um, from you that you said this, when I teach at homeschool conventions, I regularly say, you teach children, you don't teach math, reading, or Bible. Teaching them how to learn and to love learning will make them the leaders you want them to be. Understanding the eight great smarts will help homeschool families accomplish these goals. I love that. You teach children, you don't teach math, reading, and Bible. I mean, what homeschooling mom out there doesn't need to hear that right now? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Seriously. And you know what, Jermaine, it's why you and I know that all parents can home educate their kids.
0: Mm-hmm. because You know, you
1: don't have to be an expert at science. In fact, you can teach children about physics and learn it along with them. Or you enroll them in a co-op or you invite, invite a tutor to help, perhaps. But no, we teach children and no one will know your children more, love them more completely than a parent. And that's one of the reasons that parents will always be effective teachers for their kids.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it sounds similar to the encouragement that I give to parents a lot, um, because I think you just can't encourage them enough in that because there's that feeling of that feeling of inadequacy that always rears its ugly head. And so um, we're here to tell you that you can do this. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, Jarenda,
1: you've heard me say, I think that even on your worst day, you'll be your child's best teacher. Mm hmm. And I really say that with a lot of respect. You know, you will have rough days because children are children. That's and right. And the English language is confusing, you know, and children spill their milk and, you know, kick a sibling. I mean, stuff happens because we're human. And so, you know, it's not a cakewalk. We're not saying that, you know, it's going to be hunky-dory, you know, easy every day. But we do think that you can do it. And, you know, this kind of information, expecting children to be smart and discovering how they're smart will help us be more joyful and more expectant in in a very positive bent. And that's why we we have
0: these resources that celebrate kids. Mm, I love it. So I would love for you to start out sharing with us a bit about the eight smarts and how you develop them.
1: Yeah, thanks. So Howard Gardner is the actual researcher who knew this to be true. He's a um, psychologist at Harvard University and was interested in how people behave differently. He never intended educators to take hold of it, but of course we did when we found out about it. So we believe that all children have the capacity to develop all eight. And in in, in a particular order that I'll explain, um, when we're being word smart, we think with words. So these are the children who you tell all day, you know, be quiet, be quiet. It's mommy's turn to talk. Uh, we, we are the wordsmiths, if you will. And then logic smart kids, or when kids are being logic smart, they think with questions. And they probably like math and science because they love to explore and they love it when things make sense. And the only reason that I mentioned those first two in that order is because they're what we call the school smarts, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about kind of traditional education, what do we do all day? We read, write, speak, listen, ask, and answer questions. And so children who have many brain cells in the word and logic smart parts of their brain will probably find traditional schooling easier. There may be people who are considering to homeschool their kids because the schooling that they're in isn't effective and it may not be effective for them because they don't have as many brain cells in these parts of the brain that the system across the road absolutely depends upon. Mm. So, those are the first two, only in that order. But you know what, Dorinda, you and I know people who have been very successful in life, even if school was hard. Yes. Right? Yes. And we also know people where school was really easy and life has been hard.
0: Right. right. Absolutely. Right? And,
1: you know, and that means that all eight of these are really relevant. And one of the reasons I love supporting you is that you parented your kids. to to develop all eight. And and that's one of the reasons that I've endorsed your books and and love what you do. Um, The other ones quickly would be picture smart. We think with our eyes, we might like fiction and history because we see it come alive inside of our head. We're also the ones who may doodle and enjoy drawing and traditional art might be something we enjoy. Music smart kids think with rhythms and melodies. They may sing in tune and play one or more instruments. Body smart kids think with movement and touch and they might be athletes and actors and dancers and clay sculptors. They enjoy movement. And then when kids are being nature smart, they think with patterns. That's how they know it's a bluebird, not a blue jay, an elm tree, not an oak tree. They're good with being outside and collecting live things that become dead. You know, and then <laughs> um, and then there's people smart. And when we're being people smart, we think with other people. We brainstorm and network and collaborate and and love the dialogue of of learning. And then the self-smart part of the brain thinks deeply inside of itself and craves and needs quiet, peace, privacy, and space. So mm. self-smart, we think inside. People-smart, we think outside. Again, all children have the capacity for all eight. The earlier they're awakened, the greater the likelihood they're a strength for a lifetime. And we can use them in in really healthy ways. It's exciting.
0: I love that, and so you're saying that you believe that everyone is born with these eight smarts, but they need to be awakened, so uh, so to speak.
1: The capacity for all eight. Um, that's based on research with MRIs and stroke patients mm-hmm. and just a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it, it doesn't mean, It doesn't mean that all of our children are going to be experts in all eight, and no, right. that would be arrogant to think so. But right. the capacity is there.
0: Right. Right. Um, so. As a mom who's listening, she's, she's probably, as you descri- described each of these eight great smarts, she could she could shout out a child's name, you know. <laughs> but, you know, how do you think we can help kids grow in their smarts?
1: Well, oh, great question. You know, the first thing that I would mention is obedience. You know, mm-hmm. your questions at the beginning of the show, you know, do you have a child who, who doesn't sit still so well, right? You know, sit down, sit down, sit down, you know, stop all that movement. And there's an appropriate place to that. Sit down. They, they. I teach kids all the time. You live and you learn and you work and you love in community. And the first community is your family. So you have a responsibility to respect your siblings and to respect your parents. So I think part of it would be know who they are, respect who they are, give them opportunities to be who they are. You know, kids who are body smart think with movement and touch. And so just know that. So you can get them fuzzy um, pipe cleaners that they can feel. You can get them a, a pen or a pencil that has something on it that they can feel. You can allow them to get out of their seat in between math problems and do three jumping jacks if you need to. That's the freedom of homeschooling because there's not you know 17 other kids in the classroom who are going to be distracted by that. So know who they are and allow them to be who they are. And you know what I believe, Dorenda, and I wonder if you would agree that when you give kids a chance to be who they are productively, they'll have less need to do it in a non-productive way.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right? So if a child's had a chance to move on purpose, even by helping you, you know, clean the table in between, you know, snack time or whatever then they'll be more able to sit still while they're working on their phonics lesson. I think so. That's
0: absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our boys, um, more than our girls uh, had to take breaks between subjects, go out, jump on the trampoline, ride their bikes, do something. And you ever just set a timer and you've got 10 minutes or 15 minutes. um, And then they had to come back in and work on the next thing. And they pretty much always were ready to move on to the next thing after that. And um, it, it did make things a lot easier. and if and if someone needed to read a book, usually it was typically a boy, um one of the, <laughs> one of the boys, uh, he would I remember specifically, he would read hanging off the couch upside down. and I, he, that's just the position he wanted. but I think about that and all that freedom we had they had to do that, and I think how none of that could have happened in a classroom
1: no and they would have felt defective and mm-hmm. and now let me ask you a question i'm assuming that now that this son has grown up like he's at work and he's sitting in a desk chair right like he has learned how to behave out in public he doesn't go to a restaurant and hang upside down yes, in a chair. Yes, he has he's capable.
0: He can yeah. sit anywhere for any length of time. He is a plumber though. He's a commercial plumber. And uh, and he, you know, so he's working physically all day, but yes, yes, he did grow up to be a normal adult. <laughs> Cuz I think that's I think that's one
1: of the fears that we have is that I can't let them, you know, ride their bike for 10 minutes, they won't come back and focus. No, mm-hmm. you can get them to come back. You are the authority. And they will be able to handle, you know, the maturity that's required of them. You know, in your question about, you know, how do we help them grow and mature? The other thing I would say that's actually, I think, super relevant is introducing them to healthy people who use their smarts in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have like we're, you and I are word smarter, we wouldn't be authors, speakers and podcasters. Right. And so I think you would agree we can gossip well and tease and name call and impress with our vocabulary and always demand the last word. But we don't because those are wrong things to do. And so how do you learn that? Well, by training for righteousness and by role modeling, mm-hmm. but but also introducing us to authors and speakers and TED Talk presenters. And you know, if you've got somebody who's body smart, introduce them to an actor, an athlete, a clay sculptor, a dentist, a chiropractor who uses those skills well. You've got somebody who's people smart, meaning that they can argue well or persuade, introduce them to people who have learned to persuade without debate. And your kids will learn, this is a gift I've been given, and I need to steward it and use it
0: in really healthy ways. I love that. And as you're talking, I'm always thinking in practical terms to the mom who's going out running her errands. Maybe she goes to the chiropractor or the doctor or the post office. And just hearing what you're saying helps us uh, think about who do I see on a fairly regular basis or occasionally that would um, be that person that I could connect. So it it doesn't have to be a big, you know, a big deal. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be another thing on your checklist. It can be someone that is there in your everyday life. And then you make a chiropractic appointment, you just make a um, note to yourself that you want to introduce, you know, your child to that person, tell them what they do, and maybe just have a little conversation and exposure to that to that person, so I love that. That's a, that's such a practical way to, like you said, um, help them grow in their smarts and and doing it in our in a real life, real living kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so eight great smarts for homeschoolers is full of practical ideas for applying the smarts to core subject areas as well as electives, fine arts, and more. I'd love you to give us some examples of how someone might apply the smarts to one of the core subject areas, like social studies or math. Because you know, I I can I can hear some of the moms out there thinking, "Well, this is all great, but but we still got to get the other stuff done." (laughs) So how do we do that?
1: (laughs) Right, right. No, so true. You know, um, let me say first, Dorinda, that and you know, and everyone can laugh if they want, but it's a true statement. Reteaching is not the same thing. Louder and slower. Mm. Reteaching ideally is done differently. So, if on a Monday you introduce your children to some phonics principles or math ideas or a, a timeline for a history lesson and they don't grasp it and you know and you're frustrated, and Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, they're still not retaining the information well, you don't just say the same thing over and over again. We ask the Lord to help us understand which smart we could go to to teach it differently. And that's one of the advantages, I think, of teen's book is you can open it and skim read it and go, okay, my kid's struggling this week with history. You know, just go to that chapter and and skim read it. And and I think there's some good ideas there. You know, as a just a quick example, let's say you've got a young child learning math principles and typically they would count, maybe they would count with buttons or they would count with pennies in your house, right? And they're making piles of 10 and then, you know, two piles of 10 make 20 or whatever. Well, if you've got a nature smart kid, send them outside for those five, seven minute break and have them collect acorns mm. or leaves if you know <laughs> or sticks it doesn't really matter and have them come in and now they do their counting with acorns and it might make a little bit of a mess on the table so maybe you put down an old tablecloth first or a piece of paper you don't mind throwing away if it gets filled with some dirt that we're in the you know the acorns if you will but believe mm. it or not that child who is drawn to the patterns and drawn to nature and loves being outside loves to feel it if they're also body smart they will actually enjoy that counting lesson more with acorns or leaves or sticks or seashells than they will with pennies and buttons from mommy's button drawer. Mm. It can be that simple. uh, Like you were saying before, it doesn't have to be a real big deal. Mm,
0: I love that. That is fantastic. Well, thanks. I I love when we can we can get tools for our toolbox for those things that can seem a little bit um, redundant. You know, when you're trying to do the trying to plot along every day in math and you know, those basic things, um, it's so fun to have new ideas and new ways to have those subjects connect, have our kids connect to those subjects, you know, because that's really what we're doing is we're helping our kids develop a relationship with learning. And if we can keep it as positive and enjoyable as possible, it's a win-win for everybody.
1: <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I love that about you. And I mean, in reality, we might actually go to a park and collect acorns and count them. Mm-hmm. We don't ever really count, pen well, we count pennies, but when's the last time you really counted buttons, right? I mean, right. unless you're a seamstress, it's kind of irrelevant. All that is, nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I don't want anyone right. to be seeing right. You know, this is new information. I'm simply saying that the more relevant we can make everything, you know, obviously the better for that. Yeah. Here's another quick example you asked about social studies. Let's say that your children, you know, one of the advantages of homeschooling is that you can personalize your instruction. So let's say that you're studying the state that you live in. Okay. And, you know, I, I live in Texas, so maybe you've got a child studying Texas and, you know that your child is nature smart, really enjoys discovering things that are outside, is fascinated by the stars and whatever. What if you had your child for the unit study, study an explorer, someone who discovered something about Texas or maybe, you know, wherever you are, they discovered the rivers, they named the river. That's way more enjoyable for your nature smart history student than a politician. Now, the politician would want to be studied by a word smart, logic smart person. Mm-hmm. So you can use what they're smart about or what they're smart in, not just to change the way that you teach, but to actually influence what you teach. Because that's one of the advantages that you have as homeschoolers.
0: Mm. So good, so good. So I, I think another question moms might have out there is how do we discover our child's strengths?
1: Right, oh my goodness, Jerinda. You know, one of the first ways, believe it or not, is what drives us nuts about them, <laughs> Right. Or I might bravely say what gets them into trouble Mm -hmm. because too much of a good thing is not a good thing. So if you have a chatty Kathy, hello, that was my nickname, (laughs) you know, who's, you know, be quiet, be quiet, you know, probably word smart, logic smart. They think with questions, they love to solve problems, but guess what? They can also create them. So Mm. look to see what concerns you about the choices they're making. And I can almost guarantee that. It will be linked to a smart, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying, oh, because he's logic smart, we need to let him, you know, make messes because he's trying to explore something. No, obedience is right. I'm just asking that you would redirect their attention without paralyzing that part of the brain. Uh, Picture smart kids might spend their time looking at the things that they should not be looking at. Mm-hmm. They might judge a book by its cover, judge people by appearance. They might get distracted with the vivid imagination and have a hard time listening to you. Music smart kids, they idolize music. The pods are always in their ears. They're humming and whistling and toe tapping to the distraction of others. Uh, Nature's body smart kids, you know, moving too much, touching too much, touching other people's stuff is kind of common. Nature smart kids, maybe looking out the window too much, paying attention to the dog rather than to the English assignment. Mm -hmm. People smart people, um, persuading, debating, Um, analyzing people's ideas when maybe they're supposed to be attentive to something else. Um, And then self-smart people isolating would be one of the things to look for where they choose to spend so much time alone that they're not a part of your community. Those would be examples. And and again, in my book, eight great smarts, every chapter has a section on character and obedience. Um, You Mm -hmm. can also find out what smarts they have developing by what do they talk about when they talk and what do they ask about when they do ask questions? Mm. If they're asking questions after church about music and not the sermon, probably the music smart part of their brain is being developed. So, right. what do they ask about? What do they talk about?
0: I love that. That is that is so good because I, as you were or you were describing, I was I was thinking of different children in our family and what they would would have done back in the day, and it's just I. Having the perspective now as a mom with grown kids, um, I see that you're absolutely spot on with all of this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because what, Where they have gone and what they've uh, sort of honed in on um, had everything to do with those things in their childhood that you, like you said, either they were doing a lot or driving me crazy with, or, you know, or was a distraction from, you know, the checklist of things we were trying to get through, you know? So, and I love that you're framing everything up within a biblical character because, Mm. you know, the world does kind of, um, send the impression that, well, once you figure this out, you've just got to like, let them have, you know, you know, carte blanche, just do whatever. And that's not the case at all. That's not what God calls us to. We get to refine and hone in on these skills. Um, and the best way that we can do that is by staying within God's boundaries, um, you know, we're still the parents. We need to retain the authority. If now is not a good time for a mess, that is our call to make. But we can be thinking about when is a good time for a mess, because if I had my way, there would never be any messes. So um, but but being aware of um our children's strengths like this, um, encourages us to do that, to say, hey, that's a part of them that is God given, that God's hardwired into them. Let's, let's um, do the thing we're called to do. And that's to, um, you know, glorify God and bringing out and growing that, that strength and, and directing it in a good productive way. And, um, so this is just so good. So good. Um, last question for this episode, we're going to do another episode after this with some more questions. I think, um, I'm excited because, uh, I know if I were a mom listening on the other end, I would be like listening with bated breath because we're answering these things that we deal with every single day. Um, And this would be one of them. How do we help our child in areas of weakness?
1: Right. That's yeah, that's such a good question. You know, the first thing I want to say, Doreen, is that weakness is real and it's Okay. So the Mm -hmm. the first way we help them is to not shame them and to not believe that they're stupid because something is a challenge. So I think our attitude is huge. Mm -hmm. And and then, of course, um, expecting them to have a positive outlook about themselves. I think that one of the advantages of knowing the smarts is we can bring a smart alongside of something that is more challenging and help them be successful. Even the idea of studying an explorer in a history class rather than a politician—you know—when they're able to do that, if they're in a co-op or you're doing, you know, something independently at home, you know, I'm not a terribly good speller. I have an earned PhD. I'm I'm an author of many books, but the English language is absolutely ridiculous. And and I'm logic smart. I want the rules to work. If there's an e at the end of the word that's supposed to make the first vowel long, put it there, you know. <laughs> but but you don't always. So I travel with the misspeller's dictionary. So one of the ways that we help our kids with weakness is we surround them with tools that will be effective. It's no different from a calculator for the child who has a hard time remembering math facts. In my dictionary, the Misspeller's Dictionary, you can look up the word the way you think it should be spelled and you'll find it there. And (laughs) and then you know how to spell it. I also use a thesaurus. One of my favorite books when I was a child was a thesaurus. And Mm -hmm. and kids are like, oh, lady, you need a life. And I'm like, I had a great life. I've always loved words. And I'm working on a book now and I use a thesaurus because, you know, I can find other words that I maybe haven't thought of or words that I might hesitate to use because I'm not automatically able to spell them off the top of my head. Nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. I don't give in to my weakness. One Mm -hmm. of the ways you help your kids with weakness is you don't let them give in to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't not write because spelling is a challenge. Right. The people who work with me um, proofread my work. And I'm very careful to proofread by reading out loud so I can catch, you know, my own ears. But I, so I think it's attitude. And then I think it's surrounding them with um, the right people and the right tools. And then I would also say, Dorinda, that, you know, if your child is struggling with something and it's not terribly relevant, let me use this as an example. And you might not all agree with me and that's okay. Creative writing is not a necessary life skill. Mm -hmm. Writing to make lists probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe non like note-taking, like during a sermon, during a staff meeting might be the type of writing that we might say is more essential. You can live a great life and not be a creative writer unless you're called to be a creative writer. Right. So if your children have a call or a desire or a passion, you know, they want to help the homeless. And so there's something in the way of them being able to do that. Then that's a weakness we work on. Mm-hmm. And they should be more motivated to work on it because they can see it as a part of their call or their passion. So I think right. that's essential. And that's another reason to homeschool because you will know your kids better and you'll be able to help them say, you know what, sweetheart, this is challenging for you. And it's really okay. You don't mm-hmm. need to take calculus and trigonometry like your brother. It's okay. We'll finish algebra and be finished with math.
0: Right. And and what we're doing there is we're problem solving. We're teaching them to not be... Um, Like you said, we're not going to give in to that weakness. We're not looking at that weakness and saying, oh, this is an obstacle I can't overcome. We're saying, yes, it's an obstacle. We're acknowledging it. But we're saying, what can we do to overcome this obstacle so that we can keep moving forward with what we know God has called us to do? It's a perseverance and um, and teaching them resilience. You know, those are—and those skills right there— are you know applicable in so many areas of life. If they, if they learn this, um, as we're we're discipling them and we're walking alongside of them and we're showing them what it looks like and we're doing it with them, they're gonna understand what th- that they're gonna understand what that looks like in other areas as well. But we're giving them such a gift when we do that. Um, because I, I watch our kids and how they problem solve. I mean, there there's one in particular, one of our kids just he is a problem solver extraordinaire. I don't know if there's a problem. He's like a, he's like attracted to it so that he can solve it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I would say he's probably logic smart. Um, he's just super, super great about that. But anyway, all that to say, um, these are such fantastic uh such fantastic ideas, so uh, so much to think about. So I think we're going to wrap up this episode and uh, we'll do another episode um, with some more questions about, you know, why a one-size-fits-all curriculum doesn't really work, um, how we can become a student of our children, advantages um, that teaching uh, child smarts has over general education. These are questions we're going to answer in the next episode. So please join us. Um, Kathy, thank you for being here with us today. And can you tell us ways that uh, moms can connect with you? And we'll include this information in the podcast notes as well.
1: Yes, thank you. It's been so good to be here. Our website is celebratekids.com. So the books are available there along with other places. And we're all over social media like you are. So celebratekids.com. Our podcast is called Encouraged with Celebrate Kids.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, thank you again for being here with us today, Kathy.
1: I'm looking forward to next week as well.
0: Yes. All right. Let's, uh, I'm going to just end in a real quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for these amazing tools that you've given us, Lord. But more than anything, we thank you for these children that you have given us to uh, to raise, to um, nurture, And Lord, these these tools that we've been given today, Lord, I just believe are so powerful. And I pray that each mom who's listening right now would prayerfully consider what she's heard today. And Lord, I ask that you would give her wisdom to know how to apply those tools um, and put those to work for your glory as she uh, raises and homeschools her kids. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen.